So it's fucking hot as balls in my room right now. <laughs> it's so stuffy. I'm drinking rosé, and it feels appropriate <laughs> given the movie we're doing, which is set in New Orleans. Do you feel like you're in the Big Easy? No, but it's as, <laughs> it's as close as I'm gonna get. If if I wanted to feel like I was living there, I would be like wearing some kind of like negligee. I'd be like lounging in an armchair. It'd be nice, but now I'm just sitting at my desk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I finally got to go to New Orleans for the first time when we were driving out here to Seattle, and I liked the food a lot. I didn't like (laughs) (laughs) the the vibe of, like, Bourbon Street, because we, you know, we went out to eat down there and just walked along there for a little bit, because you have to, like, you have to see what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would have preferred if we had done the historical stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure if you guys had spent more time there, you could have done that. I've never been there. I'd love to go someday. Yeah, the food is amazing. I mean... That's, like, the major draw of any place for me. If I'm, yeah, like, deciding same. where to go, I'm like, is the food good? Yep. <laughs> like, that's one of, like, the major reasons I wouldn't want to go to London, to be honest. Because everything's like, just spoiled. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, fish and chips is, like, the best London has to offer from yeah. what I can tell, so it's, like, no thank you. And another thing, apparently, my friend uh, recently went over there with some of his friends, and... You can go anywhere, any time of the day and get beer, but most of the places that serve beer don't serve food. So you're, like, That's... looking desperately for a place to eat because you're drunk and there's nowhere to get food. <laughs> but isn't that, isn't that the whole point of pubs? Yeah. Is that they serve food as well? That's... Some of them do, but apparently there's a lot that don't. I don't know. That's so weird. At least with the, the area that they were in, he said that they, was, like, they couldn't find any real food anywhere. It was, like, peanuts and, like, scotch eggs, maybe. (laughs) (sighs) So, Streetcar Named Desire, you told me you had read this for your drama class, but you didn't remember it. Is that right? No, I I feel like we were supposed to watch it for my drama class, and I don't know if, um, I don't know if we started watching it. Or if it was one of those things that they, like, never got around to that was on the curriculum. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because that happened a lot in my classes where it'd be like, oh, well, we're not actually allowed to watch this movie after all. Or we don't have time in the curriculum because something else took too long or something like that. That'd be so strange if that was the reason they didn't show you this because it was so it was censored because of the Hays Code. So you would think something that had been censored in the 50s would be okay yeah. to watch now, but... Um, so remind me what that is, because I sort of know, because I know that there weren't a lot of censorship laws before, like, the yeah. 30s or 40s. Yeah, there was a very brief period um, in Hollywood where there was no censorship laws, and so, like, um, films were able to just kind of, like, do whatever they wanted within reason, and... Um, it was a much more free time, but then the Hayes Code was started, which was a very conservative code, which was like, oh, you can't show any of the stuff. You can't show like homosexual stuff. You can't show like deep kissing. It was it was a very long list of things you can show. No cursing, none of that stuff. That's why a lot of like I think we talked about this in one of the other episodes. Why some of the kisses in uh, films from that time look so strange? Yeah, it's because it's because of the Hayes Code. Like, you couldn't show, like, passionate making out. Like, basically the rules, like, no tongue. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, that's why there's some differences between this and the stage version. Because even on... There wasn't really any censorship for uh, Broadway. 
or any sort of thing, because they can just kind of do whatever they wanted, again, within reason, like, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't have, like, people having sex on stage and stuff, and that yeah. sort of thing, but, um, <laughs> but it, it does kind of, like, the fact that they're able to sort of get around it enough to still convey the basic message of the play was pretty impressive for the time. Yeah. I feel like that might be connected uh, somewhat to, like, McCarthyism, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, McCarthyism was more about, More political. Like, yeah, it was more political. It was more about, like, communism. Communism. <laughs> but I feel like there was also some stuff of, like, people that act unsavory or suspect, you know? Yeah, like, the homosexuality thing was definitely part of McCarthyism as well. Yeah. I read this this play script in my drama class in high school, and then we wound up watching the movie, and then we wound up doing it again uh, my senior year in uh, AP English, which is twice that I wound up doing something, a play twice in the school. Yeah. <laughs> the first time being Hamlet. I feel like that happens a lot <laughs> when yeah. you cross over into different um, school districts and yeah. different states and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's annoying. It is. I definitely don't know why we never really got around to Tennessee Williams stuff. I think that I did read a Tennessee Williams play in my AP Lit class, if I'm thinking of the correct one. It's The Glass Menagerie. Yeah, that's that's Tennessee Williams. Yeah, we read that. Um, And we were supposed to put on in Drama Club a Tennessee Williams play, I think. (laughs) Uh, And that never happened, probably because there is like a line in it where one of the characters is talking about having to use a KFC bucket for a miscarriage. <laughs> I mean, that's a, I feel like that's a line that could be cut, but... <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was it, just one of those things that never came to fruition, like, just a lot of the stuff in my high school. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting how even stuff that's so subsumed in subtext and, like, isn't, like, directly addressed and stuff that from that time period is still considered too inappropriate for, like, teens today. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> I feel like it's a lot to do with uh, what sort of parents get a hold of stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And also it depends on the area you live in and that sort of thing, because I lived in a pretty uh, liberal democratic area, and so that stuff wasn't as censored, but somewhere like the Deep South, ironically, considering where this is set, um, Mm -hmm. they would be much more strict about that sort of thing. For sure, yeah. There was definitely a lot of stuff that that got censored for us, I think, because of that, even though where I lived in Florida wasn't as bad as, like, places in Georgia and stuff like that. Yeah. Um... But yeah, New Orleans, it looks like New Orleans. The stage sets that they have uh, are the, I don't know, it looks like they probably did on location shooting Um, or... Yeah, I mean, I think probably the outside scenes were at the very least. Yeah. Um, uh, But yeah, so uh, should we do an intro? (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm Lita. I'm Jackie. And this is Why Haven't You Watched That? It's a great play and a great film, but I feel like a lot of it is, like, super on the nose and Mm (laughs) heavy-handed. What do you think about that? Uh, I feel like every time we talk about a play, we end up talking about how uh, certain things are done 
in the film because they have to there's like not really any way to get around it because of how it happened in the play like when she's hearing voices and stuff like that yeah i didn't realize at first that she's having mental issues (laughs) yeah yeah because it it is kind of tricky to convey that stuff because sometimes you're like oh this is just like the artistic medium we're not meant to take this literally like Mm -hmm. she isn't literally like hearing these voices say the exact same thing again over to her but yeah i it's a difficult thing to do especially i feel like because it was a play and obviously when things are on stage they're larger than life whereas films can kind of like contain things within the realm of realism much more but some of that stuff doesn't translate as well in the opposite direction. True. But then it kind of has to be included because it's kind of like the whole point <laughs> yeah. of the themes you're trying to present. I feel like the fact that she gets on a streetcar named Desire, transfers mm-hmm. to one named Cemeteries, and then winds up at Elysian Fields, which is in Greek myths like the final resting place for souls. Again, mm-hmm. extremely heavy-handed symbolism. It works, but it's also like, and also those are real streetcars. Like that's a real was, thing you can do in New Orleans. I was gonna say cars. is because that seems like a thing that New Orleans would have. Yeah, <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know if it is just something that that is a thing in New Orleans, or if it's her imagining things. You know, at the beginning, <laughs> like it almost makes you wonder if he like. Like, Tennessee Williams, like, saw that was a thing you could do. And And it's like, well, that's a bit. (laughs) Yeah. He just made this entire play around it. (laughs) Yeah, it's possible. I wouldn't put it past him. (laughs) I'm glad that I finally heard someone say out loud Elysian, though, because I thought it was Elysian. Uh, There's a brewery here that's Elysian Elysian brewery, and I was uh, saying it Elysian all this time so it's good to know (laughs) yeah i mean that's probably a mistake a lot of people make yeah it's like every time i see the word epitome my brain goes epitome (laughs) every time that's definitely the trap of being like a kid who grew up just like reading a bunch of stuff and not Mm -hmm. like talking to people you might up mispronouncing (laughs) things in your head and then you find out like way later in life that's not how it's pronounced and it's like oh it's a good thing i never said that out loud to anybody (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, I have said words out loud that I pronounce wrong, and I also, like, slip into really weird accents sometimes, so people just constantly make fun of me for the way that I say things, and I'm like, Ooh, at those people. I mean, like, good, good-naturedly, I think, most of the time, you know? Yeah, I think the last episode, no, not uh, the Dark Knight episode, you said sorry like a Canadian. I decided <laughs> not to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I do weird things with my O's sometimes. I don't know why. Yeah, I do the same thing, too. I actually, once, years ago, when I was still working at a cashier at a grocery store, someone was like, oh, how are you enjoying this country? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, they're, like you're not from here, right? I'm like, I was born and raised in this very state. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you sound like you're from Germany or something. I was like, what? okay. That's right. really funny. <laughs> um, speaking of accents... Uh, I feel like the very vastly different acting styles between Marlon Brando and Vivian Lee in this movie very much encapsulate their characters and the themes they represent as well. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing this, knowing that he was not very well known beforehand, and then knowing that he got very popular and being like, 
that seems right because <laughs> he's just such a dick in this like a horrible evil person kind of he is but he's at the also, same time you're like oh well but he's got her number though you know yeah that i feel like that's really the conundrum of this too because like you know that like he's a, a brute and just terrible and bad but also like he's like he's just reading her to filth and calling her out <laughs> on her shit so much that it's like well i mean he's not wrong though and it's like i mean of course at the end he's wrong yeah that's a given but um yeah we'll talk about that later yeah we'll talk about that in a little while um and also the scene where he's introduced what a fucking snack that guy is yeah <laughs> damn like damn like you can't blame her for just kind of like being like oh oh he's hot like it's like full squidward mm-hmm. oh no he's hot like <laughs> moment <laughs> yeah i th- thought that this was gonna go in the direction of her just trying to seduce him the entire time mm-hmm. um her sister stella I thought Stella was the main character because of the famous line, which is the only thing I knew about this movie, to be honest, <laughs> which is not even really that like big of a part of the movie. It's weird to me that people latch on to stuff like that. Like he's just well, sh- shouting her name. I don't know. I, I mean, it makes more sense at the end, I guess, but it is a pretty iconic moment just because like I cause, because Marlon Brando is such a method actor and like prior to this that wasn't really a, a thing, thing in hollywood films oh so we can like blame the- him yeah we'll blame marlon brando <laughs> for everything it's fine um <laughs> yeah we'll talk about we'll talk about him as a person later on too because i have some things to say <laughs> i'm sure you do <laughs> um but yeah it was just like such a naturalistic style of acting and it it just kind of like hits you and then the moment when she comes down the stairs and it's just so like raw and like animalistic that it like it, yeah it, that the moment that's probably one of the big moments for a reason mm-hmm. so I, I suppose yeah i mean and also just so fun to make fun of it as well yeah i feel, <laughs> I feel like, like <laughs> i feel like that's what a lot of it has been as people yeah. making fun of it did i already say that stella looks like lena dunham no, you didn't, but now that you say that. <laughs> Doesn't she? <laughs> she kind of does. Yeah. And that, she was actually, uh, the actress who plays her, she played the role originally in the, the In first Broadway. Role. Yeah. Yeah. And so well, did think, Marlon Brando. Yeah, I think most of the actors were from the Broadway production, and Vivian yeah. Lee was from the London production, I Yeah, think. which uh, her husband directed. Lawrence That's cool. Olivier. Yeah. Um, I was not expecting Marlon Brando's voice when he did talk speaking of his accent because it just seemed so i I expected a deeper voice i guess yeah i feel like it makes sense though because he's just like they're trying to portray someone so common and low class that like Mm -hmm. to for him to speak that way it makes sense for the character but yeah when you first see him you're expecting like a swarthy deep kind of voice and then it's like nope (laughs) yeah he definitely probably has some ptsd from the war <laughs> the, the, because the, the interesting thing about stanley is like as a contrast to blanche blanche is all about the past we don't yeah. fucking know anything about stanley he is like all in the present and like we don't know anything about him at all except he mentions that his friends him they were in the 241st yeah. or whatever yeah that, that's all that's literally all we know about his past yeah and I was really curious 
at the start because it seemed like they were all like sleeping in the time passing in this movie is very bizarre it seemed like they all were sleeping in until the evening and then doing stuff at night and then carrying on till all hours of the night and i was like what do these people do for work (laughs) and they finally show him at work yeah i mean that is kind of what they're doing you just kind of like i don't know just, just like deboshing it up in the French Quarter. Yeah, pretty much. That's, yeah, that's their whole deal. <laughs> <laughs> and it is interesting. I would like to know more of the reasons why her sister did end up with him. Besides the fact that she was like, "Oh, this is thrilling." Like she was probably from some high class family and ran away from it all, and then was like, "Oh, this guy's so like exciting and everything." And then, of course, exciting men like that end up being um, angry and impulsive and scary. And yeah. when it's turned on you, it's not exciting anymore. Yeah, exactly. And also, like symbolically, they're meant to like represent like the old South and the new South kind of like converging mm-hmm. into a thing. Because like Blanche's whole deal is like very like civil war like yeah. aristocratic south which is a very appropriate casting considering vivian lee was scarlett o'hara and gone with the wind mm-hmm. that was a particularly brilliant touch i thought um and just kind of like their baby kind of like representing the new generation of americans where it's much more like a immigrant focused and like hard work and like survival as opposed to like putting on airs and like the like I said, the aristocratic aspect of it. Yeah, for sure. I don't know how to segue, like, super well between it, but it does pertain because Blanche comes with all of all of her stuff and it's all fancy, and I think that Stella tries to downplay it because she doesn't want her husband to feel more common than he is. Yeah, and also and... it is all fake jewels and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of, like, kind of encapsulates the character as well. Yeah, just putting on airs and trying to uphold the Southern Belle status and just being fake. But the furs freaked me out. I hate when they keep the legs on the furs. I know. It's It's so so weird. Like, why? Like, you're going to keep the face on it. You're going to, like, it's like, I don't want my clothes to look me in the eyes. Right. It's just... It, it it's it's even i don't know which is worse that or like when your your fish still has eyes on it oh and you yeah like have to eat it i don't know which is worse to be honest yeah i tried sardines um at a tapas place before i moved out of florida no was it sardines it wasn't sardines what's the other little ones anchovies no it was sardines okay <laughs> yeah because anchovies are much smaller yeah. um and i like i love fish and seafood like i'll eat whatever it is no matter how weird or disgusting it looks or feels or whatever but I was trying to eat those little bastards, and they were so salty, and you can't pick around the bones. So the whole thing is you have to pretty much just crunch up the bones and eat them, I guess. And I was like, no, I can't do it. One of the reasons why I am a pescatarian leaning very hard on being a vegetarian is that I don't like any of my food to resemble something that was living once. <laughs> like, yeah. It freaks me out. <laughs> it's not pleasant. And, and- the, the eyes were still on them and everything, and it was just... Ugh, I didn't like it. Yeah, I remember at uh, one of my old grocery store jobs, uh, my department was right next to the seafood department. And they had like a bunch of those like really big fish with the eyes, and I was like, like the How? Branzinos. Yeah, and like I would have to watch that department sometimes, and people like, can I have Ugh. this fish? And I'm like, can you please not? I don't want to <laughs> touch it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't like 
preparing meat myself either when we're cooking. Like that's what another reason why I stopped eating chicken because I hate it touching is chicken. I it's fucking slimy. hate it. And I always cut out like all the tendons and veins and like weird bloody bits. And then by the time I'm done with that, I just don't want to eat. So <laughs> I just stopped eating chicken. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. I really, I feel like a lot of what I am, my notes are on and what I'm thinking about in this is just how terrible old relationships used to be. Yeah. Like, and I know that it's more dramatic in this because it's showing the clashing of ideals and everything, but there are plenty of relationships from back then that were like this. Or oh, slightly less violent, but like more passive aggressive. Yeah, where it it's is, just it is definitely it does portray this cycle of abuse uh, pretty well. With like yes. he he straight up like starts beating her while she's pregnant with his baby, which is yeah. all kinds of fucked up. And then her running upstairs and then going back immediately. And then this is actually uh, the difference. Uh, the play ends with Stella just full on embracing Stanley at the end. And in the film, because of the censorship laws, they're like, we can't reward his vile criminal behavior, so we need to have her leaving him. But because of the scene earlier, and the way it's telegraphed, it, it's pretty much implied that she's going to go right back to him because he yells Stella the exact same way. Mm -hmm. She runs up the stairs pretty much the same way. So it doesn't have... It has less of a condemning Stanley vibe than the censors are probably looking for. Yeah. So that and was I a mean, clever way to get around that a little bit. That is, for sure. It's just kind of like a clone of the, the past scene. Yeah. Um... And it doesn't help that the upstairs neighbor also has the same sort of relationship with her husband. Yeah. And she keeps telling her, oh, just leave him. But then she doesn't leave her own husband. Yeah, it's it's very... I feel like that was, like, one of the strangest aspects of that. Was, like, you literally do the exact same thing with your husband all the yeah. time. You're telling her to leave him. It's... Well... I mean, no, no, it makes sense from, like, a psychological perspective. Because mm -hmm. you're, like, projecting your own, like, wishes onto somebody else. Yeah, but and like, both of them are probably like, well, if you do it, then it might give me the strength to do it, but then neither one of them can, yeah. because, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to leave somebody yeah, in general. Yeah, especially when you have, like, that much at stake, and then when mm -hmm. Blanche wants to go back downstairs to stop what's going on, and she's like, no, don't interfere with us, because, mm -hmm. like, it, I'm sure it's something that's happened many, many times with those two. yeah. And it's interesting because at first it does seem like they are fairly loving toward each other and they have moments of like tenderness, you know, but that's, yeah. that's the way it is. It's the, you can't excuse the really bad shit just because it's good sometimes, yeah. but you get trapped also, in it. That's also the pattern of abusers too, is they'll do something really bad mm -hmm. and then they'll be very apologetic and they'll be very nice for a time until... The next time it happens mm -hmm. and then it starts all over again and you give it you make excuses for them and it's it's shitty or they turn it around and act like it was your fault and you have to apologize and then you know the abused is saying sorry and feeling guilty and gaslit and it's yeah 
I mean, at least that's that cool. aspect of it isn't doesn't seem to be part of their relationship from what we can tell yeah from the film but uh yeah it's all it's all terrible and men just ruin everything <laughs> yeah just I, like, this reminded me a lot of um not luckily anyone that i have to be around but just a couple of times in my life that i've been witness to some stuff yeah and it reminded me a lot of that and i was very uncomfortable yeah just to be as vague as possible (laughs) (laughs) and oh my god i forgot what i was gonna say shit (laughs) oh yeah no 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 no, i remember all right so speaking of ruining everything the the clash between stanley's like honesty and like truth and need to just kind of like be blunt versus blanche's need to just kind of like I'm gonna pronounce this word, obfuscate everything, and just kind of, like, shroud everything in, like, like, illusions and everything, and how much, like, like, she's having, like, a pleasant moment. It's like, oh, we've created enchantment, and then immediately Stanley comes in and just crashes yeah. everything to the ground. Like, it's Kool-Aid like, nope, man you style. thought, you thought, <laughs> exactly. And it's, like, the, the way this kind of handles the need to sort of deny reality is very interesting, because on one hand, it is very unhealthy, as the film demonstrates, but also on the other hand, towards the end, it kind of helps her keep some semblance of her sanity towards the end. Yeah. Because she's just so far inside her own fantasies to, like, not, in order for her to not deal with her trauma and to not deal with what's happened to her, that it's almost sort of helpful in a way. And I thought that was kind of interesting, where it doesn't give an easy answer to what that sort of thing can do to you. Yeah. Um, because obviously both extremes aren't great. Like, you need to have things that help you cope. Yeah. But it's also not good to completely disappear into your illusions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That paper lantern was a fucking fire hazard. I'm surprised (laughs) it didn't start a fire. (laughs) Light bulbs get hot now, and, like, I'm sure that those light bulbs they used to use were shit you know yeah that paper lantern was on there for months it was <laughs> like at least half a year <laughs> i'm surprised they didn't just all die in their sleep or something i don't know bad wire goes sparks it <laughs> yeah like it's like um in movies where people are trying to like set the mood and like go to bed with each other and they throw a scarf over their lamp or something i'm like stop <laughs> you're gonna burn the bedroom down don't they- put scarves over lamps and clean your lint trap, please. <laughs> <laughs> Don't run the dryer when you're sleeping. <laughs> it's how a lot of fires start. It's bad. Who runs the dryer while they sleep? I don't know. I mean, some people do. Sometimes we'll put stuff in late at night because we've forgotten to change things over, but I'm always asleep until it finishes, or awake until it finishes, so... I don't like leaving the house with it on either. Failing for time. Jackie is gone. I'm just gonna be quiet now. I'm back. Welcome back. I don't remember what we were talking about before. Uh, Fires and the cycle of abuse. The cycle of abuse and being constantly scared of being yelled at for doing little shit. Like trying to have some fun and put the radio on and put a paper lantern on a light to make the room seems magical that like constant fear that yeah. you never know what's gonna set the ticking time bomb off 
I know that feeling and it sucks. Yeah. Um, but I do like that at one point, I don't even remember who said it now, but I just wrote it in my notes. Somebody says, you stinker. <laughs> like... I, that was probably Stella. I think it was probably Stella. <laughs> it's just such a understatement. <laughs> it's like, you jerk, you. Yeah. I was also really grossed out by her, like, post-coital, post, <laughs> see, I told you, post-coital, like, everything's better now thing yeah. with Blanche. It sucks. And she was smoking and she's pregnant. I kept thinking that somebody was going to die or lose the baby. I feel like that, that would have been, like, too much. <laughs> yeah, but that's just always the kind of thing that happens in tragedies, I feel like, you know? Yeah, and also, like, in the 50s, I feel like they didn't really know that much about the risks of smoking no, while they pregnant didn't. and, like, drinking while pregnant and that sort of thing. And this no, takes I, place I think it in, was... like, the late 1940s. I think it was like the 60s or late 60s where they were like, oh, hey, the Surgeon General probably doesn't like it. Yeah. It's probably not good for you. It's like your baby could die. <laughs> yeah. Or come out having a lot of issues and yeah, you're damning them for life. No, not really. I mean, there's it's not good, but there's plenty of people that still turn out fine. But why take the risk? Exactly. Uh- <laughs> I'm just so, saying more as, like, not trying to insult the people that it happened to without, like, them being able to do anything about it, you know? Yeah, because it, it does suck, because, like, when you're, when you smoke and when you drink it up, it's an addiction, and... Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta do something. Gotta draw a line in the fucking sand, dude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> something that surprised me when you mentioned it to me is the fact that when you were watching this, you didn't get the fact that Stanley had raped Blanche at the end. No, I didn't at all. Like, I figured, like, I knew she was scared because, like, he was just brutish in general, and Stella was a lot of the times what kind of calmed him down, so she didn't want to be alone with him. And then she also was, like, having so many weird delusions at that point that I didn't know if she was just, like, finding him menacing because she was getting too lost in her own mind. And then, like smashing her head against the the mirror i just thought oh he just like hurt her yeah or something you know i because like when you told me that i hadn't seen the film in a while so i was like okay i'll watch it again see if it doesn't like telegraph as well in the film but like i i honestly was surprised because like there i feel like through the cinematography and through the music and through a lot of the stuff he was saying i feel like it was pretty clear what it was he was about to do yeah, I feel like I'm always just hoping that that's not a thing that's going to happen <laughs> in a film, you know? Yeah. So, and also, like, they couldn't be they couldn't be more explicit about it. No, yeah. Because of the Hayes Code and everything. Um, I, I was reading about how they did it in the play, and that's it's definitely a lot more t- clear, I feel like, in the play. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I just thought that it was, like, an act of violence in general. And then I sort of started suspecting something suspecting god uh something when her sister was like oh i don't know if i can believe her you know yeah yeah but she was very adamant about not being touched and i was like okay well they didn't have a fight after the baby was born assuming that she's not still mad about before the baby was born (laughs) she also wasn't showing at all 
She she was like the thing is like they they obscured it like towards the end. She was wearing yeah. like really big clothes, but in a couple of shots you can tell that she's supposed to be pregnant. Um, yeah, barely. Yeah, it's just funny at the beginning when her sister's just being an asshole to her, and she's like, "Oh, you look so plump. It looks good on you, but don't get <laughs> don't get too thick." And then she's pregnant. Like, don't be an ass. <laughs> yeah, Blanche is kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I knew I I got pedo vibes right away yeah and then when she was obviously when she's talking to the boy and she's like oh he's such a young man (laughs) i was like girl stop (laughs) and yeah that's another thing that the censorship kind of covered was the fact that like her husband uh is actually gay Mm -hmm. her first husband and it was made much more explicit in the play that like she walked in on him with another man Mm-hmm. and they just kind of carried on like oh nothing happened it's fine and then she has a couple drinks and then she's like you disgust me mm-hmm. and then he goes and shoots himself whereas in the film it's definitely couched in a lot of subtext like oh he was very he sensitive wrote he wrote poems <laughs> he was very tender he cried himself to sleep mm-hmm. presumably because you know we couldn't you know get Fulfill. it up and uh and then he she's like oh you're weak and that's mm-hmm. why he shot himself and it's like that's not why <laughs> especially the line oh i've lost respect for you it's like all right someone yeah. else wrote that that's <laughs> no yeah. one talks that way even blanche doesn't talk that way with all the air she puts on yeah it's and like if we ever i i don't even i don't think we should do this for the podcast but it's something you should watch at some point the celluloid closet where how much of queer stuff at that time had to be so, so coded, and it mm-hmm. was something you had to look for specifically. Yeah, we talked about that in Carol and a couple others, I think, and how no one was allowed to have happy endings. Yeah, because it would be seen as being rewarded for immoral behavior, which is part of the Hayes Code, mm-hmm. and is why the ending of the film was changed slightly from the play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that if you have half a brain you know that the movies and the play aren't condoning the abusive behavior even if they do end up back together yeah. at the end you know yeah, like it's but, just yeah but the studio heads or whoever was in charge of censors censor yeah censorship was like Oh, it seems like we're rewarding him and he just gets off scot-free with his behavior, which he does, but the narrative doesn't condone what he's done. But mm-hmm. they're, they're, the the fact that there's nuance isn't ever good for, like, censorship laws. And censorship laws in general just aren't good, so... No, it, for the most part, no. Yeah. I think that it's crazy that um, the things that are allowed and the things that aren't... Like, I watch um a youtube channel that does kill counts and i follow him because of his work with like a different youtube channel um because like i'm not really super into a lot of horror and slashes and stuff but he's constantly talking about how you know it's ridiculous that you get to show all this really gory stuff but then as soon as there's like a nipple on screen he's gotta censor it out otherwise he'll get demonetized you know that that's america (laughs) yeah (laughs) Like, any kind of fucking violence is fine, but any sort of sexuality shorn in any sort of way is, like, a no-no. It goes back to our puritanical roots. Unless, of course, the violence is related to sex now, because, you know, well, everyone's super into 
into scenes of assault and such. Yeah, that's fine. It, the, that, the, that's the fucking hilarious, and by hilarious I mean terrible thing, is that rape scene's totally fine. A scene where a woman orgasms and enjoys herself is considered uh, too dirty. dirty. And yeah. it's a shitty world we live in, which is why I'm drinking today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things have only on gone fire. downhill. <laughs> Things are just steadily going downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Jackie goes, mm-hmm, as she takes a huge gulp. <laughs> um, two big moods that I took away from this movie are, I was joking, feebly, and never tried so hard to be gay and made it such a dismal mess of it. <laughs> Both times, I was like, mood. Yeah, very big mood. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I mean, obviously, I mean, I don't have... Uh, mental illness the same way Blanche says but it's definitely relatable to want to retreat into fantasy when things are going so fucking poorly for you for sure yeah for sure and I like, also didn't realize I'd, I guess I'm just like stupid at subtext uh, <laughs> well it's your first time watching of course you're not gonna yeah I've, and I've, I've never never read the play or seen the play and I feel like that helps yeah. with a lot of it but um I didn't notice that she was obscuring how old she was until, I mean, he does ask her her age and she's like weird about it. And I was I, like, oh, that's stupid that she's being weird about it. But then the whole part where he's like, let me see you in the light. Come here. You're so old and you're unclean. <laughs> <laughs> and like, how, she, can't be, <laughs> she can't be much older than yeah than she's him like, or like I mean, the same she's age her, you know she's in like her 30s or something but also like at that time you know people got married much younger than they do now yeah um i i guess i just was i, I don't feel like that was even subtext like she straight up says it several times i don't go in the light and i don't need people to see how old i am i feel like she says that like outright several times i definitely missed it then she also <laughs> the thing i can understand you missing that because she speaks like so much and like she so does quickly she and, talks a lot and she says such flowery things all the time you can't always keep up with it i was just kind of rolling my eyes at a lot of it honestly yeah I, I, you're supposed to <laughs> and it's like shut up god yeah <laughs> like a couple times when stanley yells at her to shut up it's like <laughs> finally someone said it <laughs> but then it has to be him and you're like uh shut up you yeah. you dick um but yeah i, I guess I, the, the casting of mitch just made me think that he was older too so yeah that, that like, but again that also goes in the thing like women are supposed to be young and beautiful and men mm-hmm. can be as old as they want and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter it's just especially prevalent at the time Bleh. i know it's disgusting i hate it me too <laughs> <laughs> also uh when he said he keeps saying several times i thought you were straight and i obviously <laughs> know that their meaning is a is a different meaning in this yeah. but i just was like yeah oh <laughs> it kind of makes me want to like repeat around. it's like a, a human being can't be straight <laughs> <laughs> a line can't be straight <laughs> i know she's very dramatic and purple prosy with the way she talks i think uh, because i wasn't gonna bring this up because i didn't double check this i feel like i heard rumors that vivian lee was bisexual i don't know 
But I feel like uh, several times with her and her sister, I'm like, are these two about to, like, make out Dude, or something? Like, one of my notes, the part where they're both, like, on the bed and they are scared because he's come home and they are not saying anything and their their heads are very close together. I was like, this is so awkward. They look like they're about to make out right yeah, now. Yeah, and the, the part where they did actually, like, kiss, e- like, kiss each other's cheeks at one point, it was, like, mm-hmm. a darkness. It, like, it looks like they're full on just macking on each other. It's yeah. Like, I mean, I'd be into it if they weren't sisters, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that a lot of people in old Hollywood were bi oh, yeah. or or gay, and I feel like there's rumors about almost all of them. Like I think that there, I think Marlon Brando was as well. Oh, Bar- Marlon Brando was definitely bi. Um, yeah, uh, I didn't. Bl- yeah. Eartha Kitt have a yeah, I was, with him. <laughs> I was just about to say Eartha Kitt, him and James uh, Dean, Jan- maybe James Dean, which is like, damn, Eartha Kitt, who <laughs> hit the. <laughs> fucking jackpot she's like no wonder she was like it was transcendent (laughs) (laughs) yeah i uh i always see a lot of interesting tidbits like that on a no they didn't when people talk about old hollywood and stuff so yeah and uh if you've ever listened to you must remember this there's Mm. a lot of episodes that talk about you know old hollywood stars that were that were gay and a lot of the ones that Judy Garland kind of covered up for like they like flocked to yeah, her, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds as well. I think had yeah. a lot. Well, yeah, Carrie Fisher's first husband, I think, wound up being gay. Or uh, yeah, Eddie Fisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the one that she has Billy with. Yeah. Yep. Um. So I just want to bring something out. Your your volume's very low. I'm uh, sorry. Okay. I'm just talking quieter. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So, I've pretty much run out of my notes, but I did want to talk more about Marlon Brando since we're kind of on that topic already. Um, He was in a movie that he won an award for, I think an Oscar, and had Native American Girl accept it. Yes, I think so, yeah. And he had her accept the award on his behalf because that was when... uh or it was, like, a big conflict with Native Americans. And it wasn't even that long ago. That's the scary thing. Like, when you think about that stuff... Was it stuff, Wounded Knee? Yeah, Wounded Knee. Yeah, that was it. The Wounded Knee incident. And, like, when you think about the stuff, you think about it happening in, like, the 1800s and that sort of thing, like, the Old West. But that was, like, within, like, the last century. Well, Wounded Knee was 1890. Wait. So it had to have been something else. Um, no, it was Wounded Knee, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was 1973 that- was the Wounded Knee incident. It was in South Dakota, and it was uh, approximately 200 Oglala Lakota and followers of the American Indian Movement seized and occupied the town of Wounded Knee, South Dakota. The protest followed the failure of an effort of uh, the civil rights organization to impeach tribal president Richard Wilson, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, so it was basically, like, a really big protest. Okay. Yeah. There was also the Wounded Knee Massacre, which happened in 1890, and that's yeah. the first thing that I found. Yeah, but so they, yes. like, the, the war ceremony was about the Wounded Knee incident. That wasn't okay. about the massacre. Yeah, so he sent her uh, to accept the warnings, but she got a lot of fucking shit for it. Mm-hmm. She got a lot of shit. And her name was Sachin Littlefeather? Yeah, and... She even, like, uh, she gave a very condensed version of the speech at the Oscars. They wouldn't let her say the full one, and then, like, she gave the full speech at the end for the press conference. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So, I guess, uh, Marlon Brando, he was a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, from, yeah. The, the other thing that I was going to mention, I was going to mention the 
good thing that he did and then I was going to mention um I think that it was talked about before but I remember a couple years ago seeing this um from the movie Last Tango in Paris yes that's what I was going to mention uh his co-star Maria Schneider said basically that he like raped her on set or yeah for the scene yeah and I haven't go we don't have to go into the details but if you're listening to it and you don't know about it uh look it up it's not great no Um, so I was pre before I heard about that I was previously not like a huge fan but I liked him a lot um yeah after hearing about that it's like it's again this is something that comes up so often with us traumatizing someone that way is not worth any fucking thing that you're doing and in that same vein vivian lee like she had bipolar disorder and this film kind of like pushed her over the edge because she had she she knew she had already like she knew she was mentally ill before this but this kind of like pushed her over the edge into like onto the other side of it and made it worse Mm -hmm. um and, I mean, it's not necessarily the filmmaker's fault that that happened, but, like, it's also, like, the last Tango in Paris thing, there's no reason any of that had to happen. No. And it's fucking horrifying. Like, it's just a movie. Yeah. You it's need just to, a movie. Like, what do you think it is you're doing exactly? Like, you need to take care of your actors, you know? Yeah, and, and not, you, like, you know, commit violent crimes to them on set. You know what I mean? Nothing is worth that. Absolutely nothing. Like, fuck you. Absolutely not. (laughs) Like, it's just some fucking movie. Who gives a shit? This is, like, a real fucking person we're talking about. This is, like, a real life. Mm -hmm. This is- it's it's not- you're not pretending anymore at that point. You're actually doing it. Like, no art is worth someone being harmed over it. No. It's like, would you actually murder someone for your fucking shitty fucking film that nobody talks about anymore? No. And even if they did still talk about it, it's still not worth it. It doesn't matter if it's the greatest movie that's ever been made. It's still just a fucking movie. Exactly. It's... People get very inflated senses of their vision and what they're doing, and just makes me so mad. Yeah, also... That's why... I really like when there's behind-the-scenes photos of movies where they show the director, like, consoling an actor after a very emotional scene. I think I might just be making this up, but I think that I saw <laughs> photos of Ryan Johnson doing that for, for The Last Jedi, or I'm maybe sure it was J.J. Abrams or something. Somebody, I think, that was involved with Star Wars. <laughs> Some I'm pretty Star sure. Wars shit. <laughs> I'll fact check it later, but... Um, like, there's various, you know, behind-the-scenes photos of them being like, that was really good, like, uh, you know, like, are you do- how are you doing? Are you feeling it, okay? It, it's it's your responsibility as director to do that. I'm sorry. Yes. It's part of the fucking job is to make sure that everyone's okay. You're in charge of that set, and you have to make sure everyone's doing fine. Mm-hmm. And, and if, you, I, can't, if yeah. you can't do that, and if you can't control your own anger and emotions, then you, you don't need yeah. to have that job, because yeah. it's a privilege, you know? Yeah. Like, one of the things Mila Kunis said yeah. was that about uh, the fact that there's a female director on set, there's no yelling! Yeah. <laughs> it's great! <laughs> like, of course there are some occasions where yelling is called for, but, like, male directors obviously abuse that privilege a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And... And that's not to say that women can't also be angry. Oh, of course. Of course they can. But 
because we've been conditioned to not overreact to things, mm-hmm. and men have been conditioned to overreact to things, mm-hmm. there's a stark difference. And also the fact that, like, especially in the case of Last Tango in Paris, men are conditioned to not view women as people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was part of the reason something like that happened. Is like, oh, she's fine. It, like, she's just an object of our art. She's yeah. not, like, really affected by anything. We don't really need to think about how it affects her. She's not human like we are. Mm-hmm. And even that's not, like, your conscious thoughts. Obviously, most people aren't going to consciously think, oh, this this woman isn't a human being. It's fine. Like, that's what you're subconsciously thinking because that's what you've been conditioned to think. Yeah. And we've definitely mentioned before that, like, nowadays, porn definitely helps. Oh, yeah. It definitely helps with the dehumanization. Thing. Absolutely. And the violence and thinking that's, like, a normal part of sex and normal part of desire. And Mm -hmm. it isn't. And even in this, where, like, there's so much violence surrounding the desire in this film and how sex and death are so inextricably linked together, it's a complicated message because I feel like, like, the fact that Blanche was, like, very promiscuous... And she was, like, fucking guys in hotels and how that leads to her being ostracized from her society and her town and winding up taking a streetcar named Desire to transfer women in cemeteries and winding up at Elysian Fields to her metaphorical death. I don't know. It's just, it's a very odd thing. And I feel like the fact that this was written by a gay man kind of helps explain that a bit because, especially at that time, his desire would certainly seem to him to be a self-hatred kind of thing and this to be seen as something bad even to himself mm-hmm. i actually didn't know that tennessee williams was gay oh yeah there's a bunch of uh gay stuff in his plays uh cat <laughs> on a hot tin roof is another one and that's mm-hmm. actually because i have this film on dvd and it's like included with like three other films and cat on a hot tin roof is one of them um but yeah, that's definitely like a major theme with his work is having a homosexual character as a homosexual subtext because he was a gay man. He was a gay mm-hmm. man in the fifties. Well, I think that there is some um, there's some people who say, and I don't know if we already actually talked about this or not, that um, that Marlon Brando's character is also supposed to be repressing homosexuality. Really? But, yeah. I don't. I've, I don't. I don't feel like that's. I don't really I mean, feel like that's my no. interpretation either. But I did see some people saying that. I don't know. I I wouldn't I wouldn't say so, to be yeah. honest. I wouldn't I mean I maybe there's room for interpretation for that, but I feel like it'd be a lot of reaching. Yeah. Uh, but obviously the husband character in a can of hot and roofs definitely could have to be queer for sure and just straight up gay. But if we ever do that film we can talk about it then. But Yeah, because um, I, I haven't um I don't know anything about that either. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, I was going to go into it, I don't want to spoil it for you in case we ever do it. But yeah. yeah, he's definitely, it's definitely implied that he had a relationship with his friend who died. That's okay. really what that comes down to. I feel like there's a lot of that in this era of media. Yeah. Like, my friend who's dead uh, was my very special friend and confidant, you know. There's, I feel like that's, that's a lot of it. Yeah. No, because I, I first split second I thought you were saying like you had a friend who was dead, and I was like, "What?" No, no, no. no. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the. Okay, I was no. a little confused for a second. I don't have any lost lovers that have died and <laughs> left me alone and yeah, distressed. Yeah, <laughs> and it, yeah, that 
how that sort of thing just kind of gets subtextual and like Mm -hmm. because it's like oh they're just really good friends like the male version of gal pals yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) honestly i think that had um had public schooling not been so conservative still so much of the stuff we had to read for school would have been so much more fun if we could have actually gotten into all of the homosexual subtext in some of the media because I remember we read Sherlock Holmes some of the stories in like my gifted class in middle school and we were like this is really gay and you know of course we were middle schoolers so we were like oh my goodness gay people like yeah because we were idiots and most of us are now non-shade and didn't <laughs> that's know always then. so funny how that works out <laughs> i feel like so many of my my closest friends have wound up being bisexual purely by accident it's not like we went into it knowing we were all queer we just found yeah. each other <laughs> yeah it's so true but yeah I, like i feel like if, if that had been allowed more and like obviously not in a like he he so funny kind of way but like yeah a, hey, yeah, this is a thing that we can talk about the historical implications of it, and there's definitely subtext here. Instead of just being like, no, there's no subtext, yeah. you're crazy. That, like, that reminds me of uh, my honors English class junior year. Uh, we were doing The Great Gatsby, and when me and my friends were reading oh. it, we realized, <laughs> yeah, you know the story, we realized that at the end of one of the chapters, all of a sudden, uh, Nick is in his underwear in some yeah. guy's a fucking hotel room or apartment or whatever it was, and we were like, what the hell is this? So we brought it up during class and our teacher looked at us like we had three heads and we were just asking a simple question we weren't like giggling over it we were just like hey so we noticed like all of a sudden he's like in his underwear and looking at photos we were wondering what that was about and she was just like i don't remember what she said she just gave some like weird explanation for it it's like you don't have to fucking shy away from this shit it's like come on let's just have like an honest discussion about this we're all it's not it's but uh, at the same time, I think that a lot of teachers do shy away from it because of the whole um, parental aspect. Yeah. I can, understand, I can understand that, but she was looking at us like we were fucking crazy for yeah. even bringing it up. And it's like, we're not crazy for wanting to talk about this. Yeah. Because it's a I, weird passage. <laughs> I had to read uh, Gatsby the summer before 10th grade, and I did I don't like that book yeah. that much. Bonner um, calls it the mediocre Gatsby. <laughs> it really is. It's not that good. <laughs> Um, and I feel like we, we read it over the summer and then we didn't end up doing that much in class yeah. pertaining to it, which I always think is very stupid, um, because then you don't get as much out of it, you know, like why make me read it over the summer when I could be reading a bunch of other books that I actually want to read Yeah, if like, we're not even going to interpret it and discuss it at length. They'll yeah. make you do, like, one stupid project over the summer and turn it in when you get to class. Or just, like, take one quiz or something. Yeah. <laughs> the Great Gatsby we did actually do in class. Our summer reading for that class was Billy Bud. And I fucking hate oh my Billy God. Bud. It was 90 pages. It took me the entire <laughs> summer to read it. It was so boring. And the only, the literally the only interesting aspect of it was the homoerotic undertones. That was it. Yeah. That was the only interesting thing about it. And then I remember we had to, like, do a project about it the first thing in the year. And me and my friends paired up. And everyone was saying the same thing about the themes over and over. And everyone was clearly getting their shit from Spark Notes, which we were yep. specifically instructed not to do. Yep. And so me and my friends were like, we're going to offer a different interpretation of this. And we presented our interpretation of the ending. And again, she looked at us like we had three heads. Wow. And like, we were clearly 
wrong in our interpretation. That's something that really fucking pissed me off about, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent, pissed me <laughs> off about the last two English teachers I had, which was that their interpretation was the only right one. And if yeah, you deviated I, from it in any sort of way, you got a lower grade because of it, even if you presented your I arguments really well, and you, like, it's one thing to just be like, you didn't, pers- you weren't persuasive enough in your arguments, you didn't, like, line this out in a good way and that's why your grade is lower but like even like kids in my AP English class who got assigned a poem and they offered a different interpretation of it than what she had like she like just eviscerated them in front of the entire class because it wasn't exactly an outline of what she wanted and it was like that isn't the point of like interpreting art works of art everyone's gonna have a different perspective as long as you can prove it with like evidence and like substantiated in some way it doesn't make it incorrect nothing's incorrect (laughs) yeah it's a very subjective subject (laughs) sorry i just i get very angry every time i remember this was like over a decade ago but still well-earned anger i honestly don't think that i had maybe any english teachers like that i definitely had some who steered us very hard in a certain direction but i think they were always willing to hear other ideas yeah you know even if they didn't necessarily agree with it or if they didn't want you to focus on that i feel like for the most part all of my english teachers were really good about that yeah and that was like a big part of the reason i soured on um possibly becoming an english major in college because Uh, the two advanced classes that i had had teachers like that and i was like if this is what college is going to be like with english then i don't want to do it anymore and it just it really made me hate i I already hated writing essays but it made me hate Mm -hmm. it even more and it was just like i shouldn't do this i kind of love writing essays honestly i I miss it sometimes um (laughs) because i'm definitely not as eloquent of a writer as i used to be i used to be really really well articulated um but i i think that some of it is also because the ap exams are so rigid and a lot of teachers like they get kudos either monetarily or otherwise uh if they have more students pass the AP exam so I think that a lot of them just kind of play it safe and they're like well this is what they're going to be looking for on the exam just be fucking honest about it then you know what I mean and I think I think that we had more transparency with a lot of our teachers about that like well let's talk about this in class but if we're talking about this for the AP exam you're gonna want to go this way yeah see I I can appreciate that at least because I I know standardized testing is bullshit as Mm -hmm. we all know and I don't know I, I got four out of five in my AP English and I got four out of five out of AP government. I still don't know how I did that. <laughs> I bullshitted every single essay question Honestly. for AP government. And I, I was like, I'm going to get like a two. And then I got a four. And I was like, wow. oh, shit. <laughs> Honestly, I, I felt really well prepared for all of my AP exams except for statistics. Um, which I thought, I was like, I can't possibly get a one. I'll get at least a two. I'm not passing, but I'll get a two. No, I got a one. Ooh, Everything else, I got fours and fives on. <laughs> um, but and also, I, definitely, I definitely, in my AP Lit exam, which is the one I got a five on, uh, I went off the rails in my essays. We had some weird poem about a pony, and I wrote about how it had, like, sadistic and evil intentions or something and i got a five on that exam (laughs) this is the whole there's the whole problem with grading interpretations of art Mm -hmm. it's like 
there's no way to grade that sort of thing, and I feel like... Well, that is why you, you are taught how to argue your points, and yeah, yeah, even yeah. if you're completely wrong, if you're arguing it in a convincing way, that should be where the grade lies. Yeah, exactly, And but people's own biases get in the way, and I feel like with something like this, it is very easy to fall into the trap of, like, all the heavy-handed symbolism with it, mm-hmm. and, like, grade based on that, and, like, define everything within these narrow interpretations and the fact that there are such extremely clear themes kind of makes this perfect to do as like a high school exercise yeah which is probably why i wound up doing it twice (laughs) probably they were like okay half the time it's just like walloping you over the head and you can't ignore the themes (laughs) yeah exactly like it's it's an it would it's an easy play to teach Mm -hmm. when you're trying to like teach people how to interpret symbolism because yeah. it's so heavy-handed. Yeah. And hits you over the head with it. Yeah, because I don't know, like... I don't know how I would go looking for too much else... Yeah, there isn't to really... talk like, I... about that's like, oh, well, let's bring this subtext to the forefront and talk about what it means, because yeah. it's kind of just all laid out on the table. Yeah, the only subtext is in the film with the homosexual stuff. That's really it. Yeah. And... And if you're stupid like me, the rape scene... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is more a little more subtextual in the film. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. I think when I did this in my drama class, we had to like break it down like we were going to put on performance of it. From Ugh. what I can remember, maybe I'm not sure. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that was my drama one class. We had to do some renditions of some stuff, um, like Romeo and Juliet. I think I mentioned before we like everybody had a certain scene or act that they had to do yeah oh for my ap english junior year class we read a book called the book of daniel which like no one's heard of oh i've heard of that it was actually i liked parts of it but it was a very strange sad book and it was a it's a weird choice i feel like because we would do a lot of weird books like that instead of ones that, you know, all the high school classes were doing. Um, but we had to incorporate that into our final project, I think. And there were some very interesting <laughs> acting out parts. I'm sure. From that. <laughs> uh, also a book called McTeague, which if you've ever heard of it, I'm sorry. And if you haven't, don't look it up. Yeah, I haven't heard of it, so... It's about a dentist. It's... I hated it. It was so bad. (laughs) Yeah, something I want to bring up, though, uh, before we end is an anecdote uh, from when we read this play uh, my senior year of school, and we had finished it, and we were discussing all the themes, and this one guy in my class, he had (laughs) something to say about how the, the, the ending where Stanley rapes Blanche, and he was saying how in a meta that this isn't the way he put it but this is what he meant in a meta narrative sense uh that Blanche deserved it and when he when he said she deserved it my english teacher rightfully uh, eviscerated him in the class and that was one of the few moments i liked her and he oh was trying God. to say like he's like of course it's not okay in real life i just meant symbolically she deserved no. it blah 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 it's like no Dude, nobody deserves no. it symbolically either no I, like i get what he was trying to say <sighs> but like 
I remember, like, when he said that, he had seemed like such, like, a nice person before that, and then he said that, and I was like, well, I'm never, uh, gonna be alone in a room with you, that's for sure. Dude. Ugh. Just, no. (laughs) No one ever, again, that was, like, I did not like that teacher for a lot of reasons, but, like, the way she just kind of, like, she basically, like, ended his life in that class. <laughs> she was, like, It's always okay. nice when teachers actually do that. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was, like, I, it was, like, towards the end of the year, I think. I was, like, you know what? We've had our disagreements. There was that one time <laughs> in the bathroom where you overheard me talking shit about you. <laughs> but, oh, wait, no, that actually wasn't what happened. I'll get to that in a minute, but let oh, me wrap no. up this point first. But, um... But yeah, she just basically like, okay, first of all, no, like, can we just clarify, no one deserves to be assaulted or raped, and, like, she just basically just tore him to pieces in yeah. front of everyone, which was great, and was a really great teaching moment. Uh, but what happened with her, completely unrelated event, uh, there was, at my school I went to my senior year, like, Wednesdays were half days, and then there was one Wednesday I got really sick and I didn't go to school, and my own friend Tiffany was in that class with me, and apparently she had, like, uh, the teacher had asked, like, hey, where's Jackie? And Tiffany had told her that, like, I didn't like the class, and I didn't like her. And oh, no. I didn't know she had said this, and so I came to school the next day. Why did she, she say that? <sighs> I will get to that. <laughs> And I came to school the next day, and we were, like, I was in the bathroom with the teacher, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Miss Class, the next day, I wasn't feeling well. And she was like, oh, you also don't like me, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> just blindsided. Yeah, I was just blindsided by that. I was like, no, that's not true. <laughs> and she was like, no, I know. And she, I was like, I went up to Tiffany, I was like, what the hell happened yesterday? And she was like, oh, I told her that. I was like, why did why? you tell her that? So she was just like, oh, no, I was just being honest when she asked oh, me no. why, you know, you weren't here. She asked what you, you thought sick. of her, and I was like, she asked, like, what you thought of her or something. I don't remember. It was what? a long time ago. And I was like, you just, you lie. Why would you, why would you tell her something like that? You just tell her, like, I don't know, or, okay, like, just make some shit up. It was so Also, stupid. you guys were, like, 17 or 18, and a teacher shouldn't be, like, baiting their students to be like, oh, yeah, so you it was don't also, like me? That was also the teacher's fault, and also she shouldn't have, like, blindsided me with that in the bathroom. Yeah, no, that's not okay. <laughs> and, ugh, just the whole thing, I just, I, Yeah. A large part of the reason I didn't like her was because of the stuff I was saying before, how she was very strict about her own interpretation of things and everything else was wrong, and that was, like, a large part of the reason I didn't like her. Yeah, and that's a completely valid reason to have issues with a teacher. It doesn't, like, it basically turns into this thing where it was the same thing with my professor in literature the following year in college, which was, like, everything is just your own perspective and it's not conductive to dialogue and it's not conductive to actually like critical thinking i am so it's basically glad i didn't have that oh my god <laughs> like it's not, it's not what art is it's not like one specific thing and it's it's by the book and it's wrote and it's just one answer and that's you just have to regurgitate information like that's not it, it, so much of school has turned into just regurgitating information it's why people wind up hating school because they're not they're just repeating things that they were told in class, and yeah. it's not conductive to actual intellectualism or learning things or no. being curious about the world, and it gets stomped out of you at such an early age, and it's disgusting. You're not being able to use your creativity. You're not, like, firing those synapses and connecting the dots. Exactly. Where you can use those principles in other aspects of life. Yeah. 
if you're just memorizing and regurgitating, you know? It's not like you have to memorize these things so that you know the vocabulary of this language, or you have to memorize this formula so that you know how to do it for math purposes. Yeah, yeah that's different <laughs> when it's, like, stuff like you need to know this specific thing in order to continue. Stuff like English, art, drama, like, I, the thing is, like, one thing I will say, almost, like, as a director, apparently my drama teacher wasn't very good, but he was a very good teacher of, like, if it wasn't for the drama class and for a TV production class, I honestly probably might have been turned off to the whole concept of doing creative work in general because yeah. of the way English classes were structured. And that sucks, man. That it really does. I feel like, like it happens my, to a lot of people. Yeah, all of my English teachers, and I, there's certain reasons why I don't um, look back as fondly on some of them now, but that doesn't relate to the actual teaching. Uh, so many of them were really, really good. Like, they always fostered creativity in us and discussion and argument, you know? Yeah. And I, a lot of the reason why I did so well in college and didn't really think that college was that hard, and again, like, I was an English major. I took a lot of hard classes that weren't necessarily uh, related to my major, but I wasn't, like, a biochem major or whatever. But a lot of the reason why I didn't find college to be that hard is because I had such a rigorous curriculum and such a, like, focus on, like, thinking for yourself and outside of the box and, like, you're really Not, lucky. Yeah, like I we were honestly and there's a lot of there's a lot of different feelings from all the, the people that were in those classes with me about how we feel about those teachers now. Uh but I still think that they were incredible at teaching itself like yeah. You know, all the stuff that matters in my life at least. They were incredible at it and I definitely like didn't struggle as much in life later on because I struggled more in those classes That's to begin great. with. That's really know? great. And especially from being in public school and from where I went to school, like, <laughs> my school was one of the ones that, like, people shit on a lot in the district. Like, they were like, oh, you go there? Like, oh, wow. Uh, and it got a lot of unnecessary flack, I feel like, a lot of time because yeah. I had some really amazing teachers there. I feel a like, lot of my science and math teachers left a lot to be desired, and for a long time I thought that I was A, shitty at, and B, not interested in science or math, which yeah. are both false, but... Yeah, I feel like what winds up happening a lot of time is there's so much emphasis placed on grades, and I know mm -hmm. that was a major problem with the last school I went to, because everyone was so obsessed with getting yeah. straight A's and everything, and yeah. it's like no one fucking cares if you got straight A's in high school. No, they super Absol don't. Absolutely no one. And no. I, I feel like there were several times I tried, I, even at 17 I knew this, and, like, I tried to, like, convey this to, like, some of my friends, and they are like, no, 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 I have to get into the best schools, and the only mm -hmm. way to get into the best schools is with the perfect GPA, and I gotta take all the IB classes, and it's like, you're gonna fucking Itch. worry yourself into an early grave, and no one's gonna give a shit in, like, a couple years. Nobody. Not even next year no one's gonna give a shit. Your professors aren't gonna care it's that you true. had, like, a 5.0 GPA. No one cares shit i mean there is a certain truth to like especially if you're going for you know harvard or something yeah 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 needing course. to to be very rigorous of that and have the best sat scores and have the best ap's but you also have to be like your own person and yeah. have like interests outside of school and sometimes those interests outside of school 
are going to conflict with your grades and sometimes you're not going to do as well in a class and I had my gifted teacher in middle school told us you know you might be so focused on getting straight A's and there is a place for that because that does show that you worked hard but a lot of the time if you come off in other areas of your application if you're worried just about the college aspect if you come off as a capable person in that they will look at your grades and say okay well maybe you got a B this semester but then the next semester you got an A so that means that you improved like we're not looking for perfection across the board because no one is perfect and if you did get straight A's the entire time you were in school that might mean that it wasn't challenging enough for you. Exactly, Maybe you took yeah. too easy of classes that you knew you were going to ace, yeah. and you didn't challenge yourself. And if you're not looking for challenges in life, you're not going to be a good college student. You're not going to be a good uh, adult in the world, in the job force, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's oh, what I tell myself as I sit here still <laughs> unemployed. Well, Even though I've only actually been looking for jobs for, like, collectively two and a half three weeks yeah so (laughs) like you've only been like actively searching for jobs for like a few weeks so you can't feel bad about yourself like I submitted my first application sometime in April but then I didn't apply to like anything else for yeah you literally had people coming to you yeah so (laughs) and they're still oh I'm still going round and round with them it's so frustrating I keep getting people the, the same people or like in the same company they've the account has been handed off to a different person um they'll email and ask if I'm still interested or call and ask if I'm still interested and I have to rehash all the same stuff that I've already told them and I'm like I'm more than qualified for this three-month contract to hire job like I can write about cleaning coffee machines I swear to you it's not hard like I, I just had a conversation with um a different recruiter from the same place I have a different recruiter now on the same job that I thought that I wasn't considered for anymore, and apparently I'm still being considered for it because uh, that job was on hold. I was told that they hired someone from a different agency, and apparently they just never hired anyone. They put it on hold. Um, And I I was telling him, uh, rehashing everything that I'd already told the other guy about my job history and my experience and why that leads itself to technical writing, and I said... I was a web developer and I described all of my job duties. And then he was like, so did you have experience in HTML and CSS? And I'm like, well, <laughs> well I was a web developer. Yeah, you literally just said. <laughs> they, they just, none of these people know. They don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was about to say, he probably doesn't know what that entails exactly. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's frankly ridiculous to talk to anyone in web and not assume that they don't know HTML and CSS yeah, because that, if that'd you be don't, like the then two you're things you have to know in order to do that job. Yeah. And regardless, like I'm a millennial, we all had MySpaces and Zangas. Like, <laughs> yeah, we. I remember XPage. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've known basic HTML since I was like ten. You know, it's so crazy. Think about how we all like taught ourselves how to do that at such a young age. Yeah. It, like, what are kids today teaching themselves how to do? Like developing Even apps more. and stuff. I remember there was like um. We're getting so crazy off topic, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> we stayed on topic the entire time. We did. We did. Really we well. did. So we we can we can go on tangents a little bit. Um, so I remember my mom has this friend, and like this was like years and years ago. It was back in like two thousand eight. Like her four year old son was like editing a stuff in iMovie that was actually mm-hmm. really good, and I was like, oh my god, this kid's already like close to my level, and I'm like eighteen years yeah. old. What am I doing? 
there were some times that I happened upon like YouTube channels and it's, you know, it's like an 11 year old kid and they have like these amazing effects and stuff that they're using and, and amazing edits. And I'm like, I hope that you get everything you want in your life. Like <laughs> you deserve everything, you know, <laughs> just kids being smart and teaching themselves things. I've yeah. been trying to get back into that because I used to be very into teaching myself stuff yeah. like all of the photoshop that i know and most of the programs that i know and and my yeah. start in coding was all teaching myself stuff yeah. and i feel like it's easier to do when you're younger and also when you're not doing it with a specific goal in mind because i feel yes. like sometimes when you're trying to teach yourself how to do something you're like oh i need to learn how to do this for a job and then that yep. makes you not want uh, me at least it makes me not want to learn how to do yep. it and like as opposed to like just learning something for fun and a lot of the way I learn things is, like, through osmosis. Like, people, like, uh... Same. Like, I learned how to do makeup, not because I was trying to learn how to do makeup, just by watching stuff and without having a specific end goal in mind, I just, like, gradually learned how to do it just, like, by watching all this stuff. Yeah, I was the same way, and a, a lot of the stuff, um, with, with, like, Photoshop and stuff, I, I had a friend who helped spurned me on with a lot of that and then obviously being in fandoms and wanting to create yeah. graphics yeah yeah like that. yeah that that helps a lot too because you want to like make cool stuff for fandoms that is like i i feel like i used to be so much better at photoshop me too <laughs> I've, I've honestly been getting back into it more to where i'm like a little bit better but i used to make like when i was really obsessed with stuff i used to make like wallpapers and icons and I've, I still have a lot of that stuff, and a while back I got into my old photo bucket account. Yeah. Um, <laughs> literally, it was deleted, and I emailed them, and I was like, here's a couple of the photos that I can remember that were on this account. Here is my old account name. Do you guys still have it? And they fucking had it still. <laughs> like, from, like, 2008 or something like well, that. Well, I'm lucky enough my uh, photo book account was never deleted. I actually remembered it, and I was like, I bet this isn't around, and then I looked it up. And I was like, oh shit, all my stuff is still here from back when I wrote uh, my friend's, like, enemies novel and I made, like, mm -hmm. a bunch of, like, character biographics for it with, like, my fan casting. Yeah. And then that wound up turning into my web series, Letters to Quentin, and it's so cool going back and looking at the evolution of the stuff you've made. Yeah, it really is. And especially, like, when you go back and you're like, oh, this is probably shitty, but then you're like, no, this is actually yeah. pretty good. This happens to me so often. I feel like, like, reading my old fanfics... I yeah. remember there were some at the time I was like, oh, this sucks. This isn't very good. And then I read it again and I was like, this is really good, actually. And this is especially good for someone who was only in high school. Like, Wolf was, we're all too hard on ourselves. We are. I feel like Tennessee Williams was probably too hard on himself, too. I remember reading something. I, I could be completely fabricating this. I don't know. But, like, I feel like I remember reading something once where he was like, oh, all my stuff sucks. And I feel like... It is a sign of someone who is actually good if you're constantly doubting yourself, because I feel like the people, most of the time, people who never, never doubt themselves, their stuff isn't very good a yeah, lot of the times. They're not pushing themselves at all. That's so true. And, like, they, like, a, it's like a, if we ever watch Amadeus, it's like the Salieri syndrome, where you can recognize genius, and then you, the fact that you can recognize genius means you know that your own work isn't very good and isn't up to the standards that you have. Wow. And, um, yeah, yeah, Amadeus, <laughs> that's, uh, that's if you've ever seen the gif of mediocrities, mediocrities everywhere, that's kind mm -hmm. of, yeah, that's what that's from. And, um, 
And that's very much a lot of what that movie is about, is just kind of, like, recognizing that, like, this is uh, so... Nothing to do with Streetcar, but, like... Amadeus, Amadeus. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and... I love that song. Like, uh... So I feel like it is a sign of someone who is actually good if they're able to just kind of, like, criticize themselves a lot. True. So, did you like this, is really the big question here. I think it's really hard for me to say subjectively whether or not I liked things like this, because my interests don't lie in this sort of movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But I think it was well done, and I think the acting was great, and... I mean, the symbolism is there. <laughs> we it's there. About. The symbolism, yeah. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> um, I think that it's a it's a really good kind of like almost bottle episode type movie. <laughs> a good like character studies. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good depiction of of um, the cycle of abuse, like we talked about, and how it's kind of hard to get out of. Um, so I think I liked it for all of those reasons. I mean, I'm not. A, a fan of tragedy yeah <laughs> for the most part and i'm not a fan of old fashioned movies where the men are brutish yeah and violent and at least in this movie it is clear that that's not a good thing and yeah, some it's not movies, portrayed in a positive light yeah some movies i feel like it is yeah um but yeah i mean it's a good movie to watch. I understand why it's something that would be part of the zeitgeist. I understand yeah. the line now that we talked about it more. The Stella yeah. line. Stella! <laughs> uh, yeah, like, um, I feel like this movie and this play, like, as we discussed, it actually really is a good introduction for uh, younger students to the concept of using symbolism in effective ways and even if it is very heavy-handed that is kind of like helps get that message across yeah very well and it's not like it's not entertaining and it's not like it's i feel like it this is this is also very aware of the fact that it's heavy-handed and it kind of plays into that a little bit yeah i think so um but yeah it is it is great i remember being not obsessed with it but i remember really liking it a lot when we first did it in drama class and obviously i feel like blanche is probably like if you're not already teetering on mental illness like vivian lee was it's probably a very fun character to play yeah uh so yeah it is a great film and it's shot beautifully that uses shadows and light to mm. kind of like play into the whole thing of her not wanting to be in the light is done very well i never well. even mentioned that <laughs> during this but i was noticing that a lot like her face being cast in shadows, even though I didn't catch on to the part, like, that she was saying that she yeah, didn't yeah. want to be seen in light. I didn't catch on to that yeah. because I'm stupid. But I did notice that she was a lot of the time shrouded in shadow, yeah. which is the very classic way to show that a character is not telling the truth or they have something to hide. Yeah. And this is also significant in the way that, like, Marlon Brando really was, like, the first popular actor to use method acting and the Stanislavski method and the, how this kind of like propelled that forward and influenced a lot of actors in the future mm-hmm. even if he did do some terrible things and all that <laughs> um so We're yeah it is a very si- for it all yeah it's a significant movie yeah 
Uh, I so think you- we had a, a really good on-topic conversation about it, especially since last week we ended up going so off the rails for some reason. <laughs> I feel I feel kind of bad about yeah. that because we didn't talk about the movie hardly at all. Yeah, I, so. I, I was I was mentioning uh, to Mike we talked about it like thirty percent of the time, and it was like <laughs> scattered throughout. It wasn't like the first thirty yeah. percent of it was the movie, and then we went off topic. I he he also mentioned though that like uh. It is, like, with a comedy like this, because there's only so much to say, it does kind of lend itself to other topics Yeah, very well. And I think that we, we took that and and did talk about topics that were important to the film, even if we didn't specifically talk about, you know, yeah. scene breakdowns it, and stuff like it, we do it's, usually. It's our, it, at this, it's our brand. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Also, we don't have a bunch of, like assholes coming for us about yeah, it. We have a very thank small God. following One right the, now. The, so. the saving grace of being an obscure podcast. <laughs> we don't have a fucking bunch of white guys being like, um, actually you guys didn't talk about this thing so you guys are just like fucking garbage and you're women so you don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. <laughs> the we- only way that we're going to get a super big following is to move to LA and get in with the UCB improv group out there and Fuck, make a bunch yeah. of connections. Fuck that shit though. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Fuck you, CB. Um, well, <laughs> I, I'll explain that after this to you. But I was gonna say we went to a stand-up show in New York. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, it was not, good. Not nothing against the people who are in UCB, but as an organization, it sucks. Yeah. But um, Aww. anyway. So, that's been the Why Haven't You Watched That podcast. Uh, be sure, please, for the love of God, follow us on Twitter. It's <laughs> YWT Podcast. Um, I photoshopped an amazing photo, a very real, very vintage <laughs> vacation photo of Jackie and her father, so you should definitely go and look at that. Yeah, it's also, right now, it's my header on my Twitter page, which is <laughs> of Tarth, if you want to follow me. Yes. Um, um, rate and review us on iTunes if you feel so inclined, and you should feel so inclined if you've been listening to us for this long. I but... know. Come on. <laughs> You don't have to leave a review. You can just rate us if you want. Yeah, just rate us. Just rate us five stars. Just boop, five stars. We can ask for that because we're not monetized. Yeah, so. yeah no one wants to sponsor us. Come on. Oh. <laughs> Except for Blue Apron. Dirty every dish in your goddamn house. Oh. <laughs> All right. For real, though. Rate us. Follow us on Twitter. Um, do we have anything else to plug besides those? Uh, oh, we also have merch. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to, all right, so it's Redbubble. Look up Lobster Flip Productions and it'll come up there. I don't, yeah. there's no succinct way to mention this. Uh, it's just our logo. You can get it on a dress <laughs> for some reason. You can get it on acrylic block. You know, you've always wanted it. You just yeah. admit it. Um, <laughs> I should probably just design a better logo now that I actually have time on my oh, hands. Oh, no, I like our logo. <laughs> I like it. You can design other stuff for the uh, merch, though. Not that anyone's gonna buy it, but you know, you <laughs> can do it anyway. We'll put our amazing quotes on yeah. there. Like, Honestly, at, at once, I, once I fill up this notebook, I might buy our own notebook to write notes in. <laughs> That'd be cute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've I've been Jackie. Um, not I'm s- anymore, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm still Lita, and this is why haven't you watched that? Bye. Bye.